The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Former White House counsel Don McGahn plays a prominent role in the Mueller report. He may have saved President Trump from himself in refusing to take any step to remove Robert Mueller as special counsel, despite directives from the president. Here to tell us more is Greg Farrell, Bloomberg News legal reporter. Greg, would you say that McGahn played one of the most significant roles in the Mueller report, volume two? Um, yes, yeah, June, I, I'd say he would. He did. Um, he was at the center of uh, the president's many attempts to get rid of Mueller. And uh, as we read over and over again throughout that 448-page report, he uh, declined, didn't follow up, didn't, uh, you know, uh, just didn't follow up on that directive. So I think he saved Trump from what would have been an action that clearly would have pushed this from a judgment call on obstruction into an actionable crime. So many legal experts have been crediting the fact that President Trump did not testify and wasn't even subpoenaed to a legal strategy by his defense team. What role did McGahn play in that strategy? Well, um, uh, as our reporting has showed going back, um, I don't think McGahn favored that originally. Uh, but once the, the plan was set in place and he bought into it, uh, that combined with his own willingness to testify quite openly and thoroughly uh, with, you know, corroborating evidence of contemporaneous notes ended up, you know, being a big benefit to the president. Also, uh, in terms of, you know, basically cooperating, that's uh, uh, rather than forcing, you know, Mueller to go to court to try to extract either, you know, uh, uh, you know some things that could have been questionably claimed as executive privilege uh, I think it kept the presidential powers from being constrained by any negative court rulings. So that was another aspect of the strategy was not to go to war, the president's legal team, with uh, with Mueller. And uh, I'm sure they had their own very distinct wanting to defend Donald Trump uh, goal. But another after effect of that is that presidential powers were not basically defined or clipped by any kind of adverse court decision. So... Will presidential powers, if the House goes through in any number of committees with trying to uh, subpoena the report, will that take into account presidential powers in any respect? No, right. Initially, it it seems to be it's going to be a battle over getting uh, the report, the full report, nothing but the report, if you will, just everything that's in there, including the redacted stuff. Um, And and that's step one. That's a that's a different battle now. We're already seeing, this is a separate uh, event, but we're already seeing uh, today that the uh, House committees that have uh, wanted to subpoena the president's, uh, basically his, uh, his tax accountants, um, you know, the president plans to fight that. So that will be a battle um, 
you know, I'm not sure if that's going to fall under the category of presidential power. I think it would. So I think a battle like that, which is now separate from Mueller uh, between Congress and the president, will go down that road of, you know, leading to basically to the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court's going to have to weigh in on whether or not Congress, you know, a congressional committee uh, subpoena can basically force the president to divulge his personal financial records from his pre-presidential time. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Festival. So, Greg, does, does McGahn have the same expansive view of presidential power that the Attorney General William Barr has, that unitary executive idea? Yes, that's our, our reading of this. Uh, Barr comes, came of age during the Reagan administration where he worked, and that was a big push. Uh, and one of the fellows we quoted, the professor uh, about presidential power, he was tutored by Ed Meese. Ed Meese explained to him how the whole process during the Reagan administration was to restore a lot of the powers of the presidency that had been stripped away after Watergate. McGahn is a bit younger by more than a decade, so he did not come of age in the Reagan administration. But it's clear, we use this quote in the story, uh, it's clear that he admired, you know, the, their, the, the, the direction in which they were going, and particularly Judge Robert Bork. And as he said, uh, you know, he, he aspired to be, you know, Judge Robert Bork, not Saturday Night Massacre Bork. Uh, which is an interesting insight into you know, the, the, you know, the reasons why he didn't um, push ahead with getting rid of Mueller. And uh, uh, you know, so, so that's consistent with that. So the Mueller report, there's a lot of legal theory in the Mueller report, explaining of legal theories, and they took a different view, I believe, of the unitary executive idea than, than Barr and McGahn have. Correct. So... The, the, the notion, um, first of all, the notion that a sitting president cannot be indicted, uh, you know, Mueller's team contested that and said they did not accept that. They gave uh, very interesting reasoning uh, for why they decided not to pursue an obstruction guard uh, charge against the president and to stand down on that. They did not want to basically put the president in a position where he could not you know, access the court system and defend himself, as every one of us has that right if we're accused of a crime. 
So that was an interesting it you know, was. decision-making and legal theory as to why not to pursue that. And as far as, as the unitary executive, did they take that on head-on? Um, not head-on, but I think uh, it, it's fair to read between the lines and uh, that, that they did not subscribe to that, um, that you know, they, they felt they could have subpoenaed them, but they chose not to. So I think that's, a, that's by they avoided a battle over this by not, you know, by deciding not to subpoena the president and force this uh, testimony. Um, I don't think, I think, you know, the, the Mueller team's legal reasoning uh, is not consistent with the unitary executive theory. But at the same time, Mueller, unlike Jim Comey, I think was not willing to go beyond what the very narrow confines of his scope were. He did not want to make himself or his legal reasoning the center of the story, if you know what I mean. I do, Greg. Great, great article, too. Thank you so much. The article is Presidential Power Gets a Booster Shot, No Matter Mueller's View. And that's Greg Farrell. He's a Bloomberg News legal reporter. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CutterEconomicForum.com.